And we are super psyched to welcome our newest sponsor, Thunder Road Guitars. Thunder Road Guitars is the Pacific Northwest best source for premium, new, used, and vintage guitars, amplifiers, and pedals. Online or in their Seattle, that's West Seattle, or Portland stores. You'll find fantastic customer service and a terrific vibe. I know because I'm in there a lot. Grab a cup of coffee, swing on in, don't spill your coffee, and check it all out. And now if you use code TOURSTORIES10, you can get 10% off at thunderroadguitars.com. Yes, that's me playing guitar. Hello, big news from our friends over at DistroKid. They now have an app. This app works on iOS and Android, of course, and it's available in the Apple Store and Google Play Stores and all the stores where you buy apps. Go check it out. It's got a lot of cool features. You can upload new releases. You can get notified when you've earned royalties. Awesome. You can withdraw from the app via push notifications. A little dangerous for me, but rad. Anyways, go check it out. It's all at distrokid.com app. And don't forget, you can still get 30% off your DistroKid account by going to distrokid.com VIP slash tour stories. Have a great one. We continue to celebrate our friends and partners over at Isotope, and we got some big news for you. The gold standard of audio repair, RX11, is coming in May. In the meantime, you can buy RX10 now on sale and get RX11 absolutely free when it's released. Tour Story listeners get 10% off by using code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. All at isotope.com. That's I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com. Hello, Tour Story listeners. Thank you for your continued support, and welcome to Season 4. I'd like to take a second to thank our friends and sponsors over at Isotope. Here at Ruinous, Chris and I rely heavily on easy-to-use tools like RX and Ozone for all of our audio repair, mixing, and mastering. Now, Tour Story listeners can get 10% off Isotope plugins or try Music Production Suite Pro for free for 30 days using code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. To get your discount and check out all of their easy-to-use products, go to isotope.com slash ruinous. That's I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com slash ruinous. And use code FRET10. And thank you for listening. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Joe. What's going on? Well... I am sitting in a drum shack. I can see that. Um, I'm sitting at a drum set, and I'm looking at a drum set across the room from me. And I'm hoping that it doesn't get super hot in here in the next hour, because there's no air that enters or exits this room. Uh, My studio last night, a.k.a. the Ruinous Headquarters, the glamorous Ruinous Headquarters, was, I think it was 102 degrees. Ooh, neat. Yeah, it was great to walk in there. We got it down to 90, I think. Nice. Uh, you know, us Northwesterners aren't used to this heat. Yeah, not at all. Yeah, I had to do a bunch of drum lesson shuffling and cancellations last week because it was just too hot in here. Yeah, clearly you are sitting in front of a drum set. I think I can see a Zildjian hi-hat and a Remo clutch. Is that a Remo clutch? That's right. The, that's right. It is. It's one Those of the these, uh, the ones, the um, the quick quick lock Yeah. so that they don't come unscrewed. They never come unscrewed either. And every other one does. I don't understand yeah. why. I believe that I learned about them from the great Dale Clover. Clover. So did Clover. I. Yeah? I was going to say okay. that. Oh, he, man. You beat me to it. He's a quick lock clutch evangelist <laughs> he should have a signature model <laughs> doesn't have to be different at all it should just say dale crover on the packaging yeah, or something sure i mean he sold at least two definitely well i think i i own two so there's three. Oh, okay <laughs> there's another one remo yep. yep and obviously you've been giving drum lessons how do you do that do you do that online and in person Yes, I do. I started off only in person. I started giving drum lessons 
very kind of slowly and gradually in maybe like 2015 or so. And I never took any drum lessons. So I didn't really have any idea what went on in a drum lesson. And the idea of teaching drum lessons seemed really intimidating to me, but I needed a job. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, those who can't teach, right? Is that what they say? (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't be a working touring musician raising my son basically by myself. So, so I basically, I talked to, I had a friend who was like Lisa Schoenberg, who is an amazing drummer and also has been teaching drum lessons for almost as long as she's been playing drums. Uh, so she had over 20 years under her belt and, um, I just sat with her a couple times and just asked her like to talk me through what goes on in a lesson. And some of it made sense to me and some of it didn't because I didn't have any formal training. Like I didn't know what she was talking about sometimes. <laughs> mm. uh, and then I just decided I would try to take a lesson. Uh-huh. So I, I took a lesson from um, – David Coniglio. Oh, I we might have to go back and put in what his real name is. I think that's it. He plays with Jose in the 1939 ensemble, and he also runs the school, the Portland School of Rock. Oh, okay. He, I did two lessons with him. One was like a, a lesson, like, hey, I've never taken a lesson before. In, and he, he was like, okay, he just kind of threw like, Okay, you've been playing drums for a long time. There's some there's stuff I don't need to teach you, but here's some stuff that maybe you haven't ever thought about before, like um specific like accent exercises and then like just ca- running into this like, "Oh, I thought I could do anything, but I have to actually <laughs> This is like a this is tripping me up and it it was able to put me in the in the mindset and position of what it is to be a student and to not be able to do something right away and then be persistent, pursue it. And then it clicks in and that feeling of like when it goes from an intellectual thing that you are trying to grasp to just like sinking into your actual body and your muscle memory yeah. takes over. And that like amazingly kind of magical, satisfying feeling so having been able to experience that, that's something that is really nice to be able to talk about with my students and understand that that's what they're going through, even with like what to me would be the most simple stuff. Yeah. And then he was like, I could also give you a lesson where I just tell you how to teach a drum lesson. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> so we did that too. And then I just started and just been winging it ever since but it was all in person the idea of doing anything online was like no way that's that sounds too hard i don't know how that would work and then as soon as the pandemic hit and everything shut down it was like well i gotta do because at that point i had transitioned to teaching drum lessons as my only job and then the pandemic comes and shuts everything down and just became this sort of like community effort like all these different sort of like my my son's piano teacher my student who's a yoga teacher all these different people kind of coming together and being like well what are you doing what are you gonna do like how what are we gonna do and and so this this yoga teacher drum student was like well we started teaching yoga classes using zoom i'm like what the fuck is that yeah (laughs) and now that's my entire life (laughs) so she taught she told me about zoom and i i learned about it i i was able to give all that information to my son's piano teacher because she was Uh in the same boat just you know it was just you know it takes a village (laughs) yeah it sounds like it that's great and then it was like, okay, well, now I have to try it with people who are, like, paying me money, and I don't want to be a – I know they'll be forgiving, but <laughs> I yeah. don't want to blow their entire lesson. And um, so, yeah, it was a lot of trial and error. Like, And then at some point I did a – I think I did the Washed Up Emo podcast and talked a lot about teaching, and then all of a sudden all these people from all around the country <laughs> started – getting in touch about oh, taking really? lessons. So it was like, oh, oh yeah, of course. I can teach lessons to anyone. 
I should try a lesson. It's time for me to take a lesson. I haven't had one in two years. Who do you look for? Well, the last one I had was, from? it was a class with Mark Juliana and it was the, like the art of improvisation or something like that. And he's one of my favorite drummers and it was, it was a really great class. And he just showed us these very simple techniques and kind of mental spaces to get into or, or, you know, giving us examples of what he does when he's improving and writing stuff. Uh, it was great. But I, it's time for me to get another lesson. That sounds really interesting. There is a guy, this keyboardist, Tollum, who I have collaborated with at different times over the years. And like we made a couple of records. And he is totally from the world of like free improv, avant-garde, all those words. Yeah. Um, and my experience playing with him where he's basically like, can you be a little more free? You know, like if I start settling into a groove, he's like, mm, eh, actually <laughs> like, <laughs> like, well, I could do that. I could only do that for so long. And then I just have to play groove for a second, please. <laughs> uh, but I, I just played a show with him, a tiny little like happy hour last week, and we hadn't played together in uh, several years. And it's just interesting to to do that, to just be like, okay, we're just gonna play. That's that's great. I mean, shit, like improv is like it's kind of where we're all at in the world now, anyway. That's right. Like now we all. Now it's not just the Buddhists that understand impermanence. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like we all know that anything could change in an instant. Yeah. Everyone has had to improvise. Um, you know what else the world is excited about is unwound shows. Oh, yeah. Did you know that? I, I had got... I've got the sense. Yeah. I mean, I, I really... I've got to say I'm, I'm pretty social media averse. Yeah. Uh, but I do know that... We are playing some really big places <laughs> and that they're selling out and yeah. like it's still a really long time from now. And I have various students around the country that are telling me they're going to travel like a thousand miles to come and all this stuff. It's like there is real excitement. It is. Yeah. Uh, it's been like it's a little overwhelming, but overwhelming doesn't always mean bad. <laughs> no, not at all. Like we're kind of we're kind of just bowled over. Like we knew there was some excitement, but this is like kind of way above and beyond what we anticipated. So great. Um, so thanks, right. everyone. <laughs> so what was the catalyst for this after twenty-ish years? Um, and and before I want to you know talk, you lost your friend and colleague Vern. And um, that's a great loss for all of us. And um, yeah. I'm sorry for your loss. Thank I'm, you. And you as well. You are also a friend of yeah. him. I'm, yeah. Um, I don't want to cry, so I'm not going to get into my burned thoughts. But you and Justin have persevered with someone else. Uh, I couldn't think of anyone better and closer to the unwound heart absolutely mr to me, warren um yeah to me but, he was the most obvious yeah and, you know and, and and i didn't know how he was going to feel about sure doing it uh, yeah but he is game and excited and we are so lucky to have him so yeah. lucky jared warren i don't know if jared I said his warren name. Is, I might have just you said, said mr warren <laughs> <laughs> um so what well, yeah what was the what inspired you and justin to give this a whirl well, it is kind. It it is, it is kind of a sad story of Vern. Uh, I I feel like there could be a way in which I tell the story that does not involve the tragedy of Vern, but it would be kind of a lie. So okay. Um, for those who don't know, Vern struggled with severe alcoholism for essentially his whole life yeah um and when the band broke up it was totally because of that none of us really wanted we weren't it wasn't like okay well i guess we finished what we 
set out to do. It was we had we couldn't do it anymore. Okay. Um, and so there was always this sort of like grief trauma hole around the band for all of us, and and a real hope that Vern would figure out a way to turn his life around. But for Justin and I, we never wanted to play with him if he was still drinking. But a couple things happened, and like going back over over time. Um, Justin kind of just like walked away from music altogether for at least like ten years. He mm-hmm. he went back to school. He became really um, involved in working in national parks. I don't know that he really even picked up a guitar for a really long time. Uh, But then he started playing music again. And it was maybe around that time that the the legendary L.A. venue, the Jabberjaw, they were putting out a book and they wanted to do this book release show and they wanted to get old Jabberjaw favorites to play. And they reached out to us and I like... Justin was always the first hard stop mm-hmm. like and then it would be me after that yeah. <laughs> um, and so Justin was kind of like well maybe I'm kind of open to the idea and I was like what you mm-hmm. are <laughs> but it was clear that Vern wasn't really it couldn't really it, it wasn't really going to happen but we mm. did end up meeting all together the Unwound Archive website came about the three of us sat down at a table like together for the first time in 10 years so yeah Mm -hmm. i think it was probably like uh 2012 or something like that and coincidentally right around that time numero group uh like totally randomly coincidentally (laughs) numero group so we talked about doing the website and then we talked about uh putting out live leaves it all just kind of coincidentally happened at the same time that we started working on putting this record together. We got some help from Adam Reach and, and Henry Owings. They helped put out the record. And then and Numero reached out and were like, we want to do this. And I, we knew, Justin and I knew Numero from their like cool, obscure soul box yeah. um cds and compilations and it was like what really <laughs> i know i had and, the same uh, thought when i saw yeah. it i was like a numero wait is this the same one is this the same exactly <laughs> yeah and we were they had done a coding box set but they were just That's getting right. started on 90s reissues and they and they did a blonde redhead box as well um so that was a whole big adventure <laughs> But uh, but to stick on the playing live, um, it never really came up again until Ken Shipley from Numero Group described himself as a fanager. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Him coming into our lives has been kind of a has probably been the best thing in terms of like making anything happen. If it's just left up to us, nothing happens. So he was always kind of like, well, just think about, you know, people would be excited if you could play. And we were just like, yeah, I'm sure they would. But I don't think you understand that that's just not possible. And just, you know, over the years, like Fern just, he got, he got worse and worse and he got sicker and sicker and he continued to play music and he put out records and he had a very kind of strong social media presence and was very good at like presenting himself through writing as being, you know, healthy and together. And he would book these tours and he would go on these tours and yeah, like I would run into people who would be like, Hey, I met Vern. And I'd be like, yes. And how Mm -hmm. was he? And then it would be like, yeah like yeah i know (laughs) i know it's so it's so hard it was so hard to see him every time and he and he was and actually like the the sicker he got the sweeter he got too so that made it even harder but anyway like he eventually like in 2017 he almost died of liver failure 
and I went to the hospital to see him to say goodbye because we all thought he was going to die. And he didn't. And he stopped drinking for almost a year. And at that point, then Justin was like, well, we never thought this would happen. We never thought he would stop drinking, but he has. So maybe we can revisit this possibility. And I was like, really? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But we met with him and he was, we had like a secret meeting at a Starbucks in Tumwater or something. So (laughs) no one would see us. (laughs) And um, he was still in pretty rough shape. Like he had basically just started being able to walk on his own again. And this was like, I think he was hospitalized in July of 2017, and I think this was, like, maybe April of 2018. Wow. But we talked about, you know, we sort of very delicately were like, let's consider this possibility. He was of possibly maybe considering trying to play. He was very excited, immediately went out and bought a new new bass amp. (laughs) Um, but I was like, look, you stopped drinking so that you could get out of bed. Great. But you are an alcoholic and you have to like, you have to take this really seriously. And so we essentially were like, we want you to go to rehab and that's kind of a deal breaker. I think he was, he was on board and I think he thought it would be no big deal because he already wasn't drinking. And we, through Music Cares, we got him hooked up with a, a rehab facility in Nashville and he went off and did that. And I think he basically just started drinking right away after it. I think, mm. I don't know. I just, I think it was, uh, I think it was too much. Um, but <laughs> then it was like, Justin was like, okay, well, so I think he maybe thought like the idea of playing again more seriously. And so then we started talking about like, well, what? (sighs) All right. So he's not going to stop drinking. Are there, is there any way we can do this anyway with him? Mm -hmm. And we had all kinds of discussions about what that could look like including like having a having essentially like an understudy yeah be on the road with us but i was like look none of this matters until we the three of us get in a room with instruments mm-hmm. and see what happens and so i think the spring at this point it was like the spring of 2019 we did we got together and we tried playing really in earnest, like with really wanting it to work. I was so skeptical, which was why I was like, let's not even talk about anything until we try this. And it was, uh, it was, it was a disaster. It was, Mm. it was, it was really, it was really bad. It was really upsetting. He really, he couldn't, he couldn't do it. He just couldn't do it at all. And I mean, he came, he showed up. It's not like he didn't show up, which is a huge step because he did a lot of not showing up. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But he couldn't do it. He just like, it was like he'd never, I don't know. To me, it was, seemed like he'd never even held a base before. It was like, it was really. Yeah, that's crazy. Really crazy because he was so, such a powerhouse. Yeah. So then Justin and I was like, can we debrief? I have some concerns. Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, I'm sure you do. And um, so we, you know, we're like, okay, we can't. But fuck, man, like we can't. We have essentially been held hostage by his disease is the way that I kind of landed on it. Like we're not allowed to do Unwound because of Vern and that just felt it came to a point where it felt unfair. It was a no brainer at the time. Like we were such a distinct unit. The three of us, there's no way there's no unwound without Vern. There's no unwound without any of the three of us. Um, which was why we didn't continue on without mm-hmm. him. But at a certain point it started to feel like, well, that's, 
that's not fair to any of us. So then we, you know, we let him know that we weren't, we did, we didn't want to do it with him and primarily like kind of couched it in his health terms. Cause he just like, he just physically was so frail. Like you can't, I, there's, I don't see any possibility of you being able to pull off like a 90 minute energetic punk show. Yeah. We said, Justin called him and we we're like, we're not going to, you know, we don't want to do it with you. And it kind of ended with that. And then he and I worked on, he and I and my therapist <laughs> mm-hmm. worked on a letter to Vern that was essentially like, we want to do this anyway without you and we really want your blessing. And so we were able to get him that letter. Um, and then we started talking about who we were, who, and I, we had, a, you know, a couple names were were bandied around and sort of talked about like, well, maybe it should be someone who's completely like a total outsider. So there's no drama at all. Like it won't be hard for them to say, yes, there won't be any weird feelings, but I just kept coming back to how perfect Jared would be as long as he was okay with it. Cause Jared and Vern were very close, knew each other when they were little kids Vern had a lot to do with Carp's exposure to the world. So he and Jared is just like such a stellar human. Like he's just no wrong turns on that guy. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, and, and he, you know, he was like, I will, I will have my own conversation with Vern about this. Justin and Jared and I got together in, on, the first weekend of March of 2020 <laughs> and played together and it was fantastic. And we were like, okay, we're good to go. Let's pull the trigger. And then the world shut down like that same week. <laughs> yeah. Um, we talked about how like, okay, well now we need to tell Vern it is going to happen without him and who it's actually with. And Jared was going to have his own conversation and all this stuff. COVID happens, none of those conversations happen. Yeah. And then Vern passed away wow. in August of twenty twenty. And um so that's the long sad story. Yeah, that is the long <laughs> is sad there a, story. Is there and, a and, short happy version of that that you can think of? <laughs> oh yeah, I'm I'll, I'll uh, I can cut it so it's yeah. super funny and happy. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> But it's, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's thrilling to be able to do this. And we really are, we really feel like we're like honoring, we're really honoring Vern in doing this and like bringing his, his music back into the world in this way and, and his contribution to, to, to music and to, you know, base the art of playing the bass which he was a true master yes so it's it's uh it's and it and it just feels so right that it's jared that's doing this it does it's it's um it's perfect um well i'd like to play laugh track for the people do it here we go
I look forward to seeing that song amongst a million other songs. Um, I played that song because I think that best illustrates your drumming for me overall. Then I listen to No Tech and I'm like, oh no, that one does. That one's got percussion, but I went back to laugh track. Well, no tech is a t- is a is a direct attempt to copy the fire engines. So it's oh. my it's my own interpretation, but yeah. it is. But that is a a rare a, I have to say a rare example of me actually trying to copy someone. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, I've seen you play those tunes a million times. Um, but yeah, they are so, I guess, I, you know, I am a drummer, so they've stuck in my head. But uh, to, they just feel a brand new every time I hear them. Uh, that's, that's the power of your drumming and your, your sort of style. Do you think when you get back into this unwound stuff, it's going to feel any different? You think you're going to come at anything with a new approach? Well, uh, we had one full band rehearsal. I should I should also mention we have a fourth player, uh, Scott Seckington, That's right. who's um, going to be doing second guitar and some keyboards. Um, but uh, we had a practice, a full band practice. One, we've had one full band practice <laughs> mm-hmm. in April. Things tend to happen in April in this story <laughs> for some reason. So I had that we we there's like a, about 14 songs that we had picked out and there's going to be more don't worry but um those were the ones that we practiced and they were honestly kind of low hanging fruit in terms of like oh I think those are going to be kind of easy ish like nothing yeah. too complex <clears throat> um but I had it's a really interesting experience so so I was like I have to figure out a way to force myself to actually just, I have to like, you know, work it into my schedule as all the sort of creative coaches tell you to do. (laughs) And, um, and so every day at at the end of my lessons, I would put down an unwound record and try and play along with it. I don't generally listen to unwound. (laughs) Um, and there were songs that I did not remember at all. However, my body did remember oh, them. Right. <laughs> and that was a super interesting experience of just like the song would start and I'd be like, I've never heard the song before in my life. I have no idea what this is. And then I would just start playing it. I knew it. I knew when to change. I knew the different parts. I mean, this is mostly... Every record except for Leaves Turn Inside You, the last record, we toured a lot and played yeah. those songs a lot. With the last record, we did one tour, basically. Like right. Those songs did not get played nearly as much as I would have liked to have played them. I'm really looking forward to be able to revisit some of them. You said practice went well. Were, were there yeah. goosebumps? I've been talking a lot about getting in person with people goosebumps because everyone's Yeah. Yeah. Well I had that show that I played last week with the with Tollum, the keyboard player. That was the yeah. first time I'd been on stage since April again. All right. Of uh of twenty nineteen, which was the last time that Nocturnal Habits played. I it had it was a whole year before the pandemic started. <laughs> yeah. It just felt so good. <laughs> <laughs> Back to drumming a little bit. Are there any are you listening to any new drummers? Anything on your radar as far as drumming goes these days? Uh I wish I could say that I was actively devouring music. <laughs> yeah. But okay, this feels like middle-aged lady talk. Not just <laughs> I'm almost 50, but specifically middle-aged white lady talk. <laughs> Um, like using music more as like a calming healing thing. Yeah. And, um, I mean, music has always been incredibly powerful for me and connected me to the world and to other people. And it was like my, it was like another parent to me, I think in a lot of ways, I think something happened when I became a parent where, 
when when he was a baby, I got to I would play him like as many different kinds of music as possible. Just music yeah. from all over the world, like crazy African stuff, weird avant-garde jazz, like fun the kinks, the pot, you know, everything. Yeah. And then at a certain point, he didn't want to listen to music. Like if I put on music, he would ask me to turn it off because it was like overstimulating for him. Like sure. he just he couldn't deal with having music playing in the background, which I was just like my whole life. There was always yeah. music playing in the background. And then I just kind of got used to that and stopped stopped going to put music on. Yeah. And and then the the whole listening to people talking thing came along and <laughs> yeah I and know. that kind of interrupted my intentional listening time and um another one of my favorite records right now is Mark Marin. Oh. <laughs> I think yeah. I probably listened to that more than any of my other records. Yeah. But I did have an experience earlier this year where I was sort of reminded how powerful music is for me. But it kind of took on this different shape of like the the piece that's like my kind of womb right now. Sorry, again, middle aged lady talking. <laughs> um, is Journey in Such Didananda by Alice Coltrane, uh-huh. which has been a song that has been in and out of my life over the years. Like what my my band, my Hungry Ghost bandmate Andrew and I. We did a couple different kind of variation covers of it, including yeah. one with a, a saxophonist and then one where we just kind of turned it into our own song and put lyrics on it. And so, yeah, it's weird. Like, I'm kind of in a weird, like, what a, what am I? I don't know what I'm listening to. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've always known, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that song because I think you are responsible for my that song going into my ears for the first ah. time. And I'm sure, in fact, that you are on a cassette tape with other songs. Yeah. A mixture of songs, in fact. Yes. And you've always been, uh, I've always known you as a sharer of music. And yeah. thank you for that. I still have all that stuff. And it's all in my brain, too. All that music you shared with me, you and I have always been world music nerds together. Yes. And <laughs> But you've always been the better sharer and... Uh, I, it's still significant in my life. So thank you for, from 20 years ago to now. Yeah, you bet. <laughs> yeah. Well, I do love to share. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> so um, I wish, I wish that I could, I wish I could be like gifting you something right now. There's a, there's another, uh, maybe it's my turn. Yeah. Maybe it is your turn. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, people don't always tell tour stories on this show, but I oddly have three kind of quick cut tour stories that all involve you. And I've thought about it as three tour lessons that I learned and you were present for all of them. Okay. It was before 2000. Let's just say that. It was before 2000. Okay. So I went on tour with Unwound. I sold merchandise and I helped huff gear around a little bit, told jokes. You were a a Brody. Yeah, I was a Brody. And um, it started off, this is a lesson of patience. I was living in Seattle. I know the story. Everyone clearly was living in Olympia. I I woke up early, was all prepared, coming down, going to go on tour with Unwound, get there, you know, relatively bright and early. Sarah's there at at the rehearsal house or wherever Justin lived or wherever that was. And, you know, the idea is like, hey, Justin, when are we leaving tomorrow? I don't know, like one or something. Okay, I'll be there at 10 a.m. just to make sure I'm on time. (laughs) I think you probably showed up at 12. You and I watched two full movies while we were waiting for Justin and Vern. And it wasn't it the same movie twice? (laughs) It was. (laughs) And I was hoping you could remember what movie it was. I believe it was Austin Powers. <laughs> I think it was. <laughs> oh, Vern. Vern's favorite movie at the time. But and and I remember it even being and maybe this is just a conflation of Vern memories, but yeah. I remember it being a laser disc. Oh god, I don't remember that, but Cuz Vern why had not? a collect Vern had a like one of those giant projection TVs. <laughs> That's right. And and Giants a laser disc in a, player. In every way, yeah. <laughs> Oh, okay. So that was lesson one. I guess a lesson in patience. Um, 
hur- the hurry up and wait that is <laughs> yeah. that is tour. <laughs> Next lesson, pretty simple. I was just starting to take vitamins because I was touring more. <laughs> the first day we're staying at Dave Stone's house. I wake up in the morning, empty stomach, handful of vitamins. Oh. And I get in the van and I'm just like, oh my God, what did I just do? I felt <laughs> terrible. And I looked to you or Justin or someone, I was like, I feel crazy right now, like I'm sick. And either of you said, did you take vitamins on an empty stomach? <laughs> I did. <laughs> so lesson two, never take vitamins on an empty stomach. Uh-huh, and then uh-huh. <clears throat> I guess this, there's two lessons in this, but it, this is more Vern and it was very fun. Um, I learned that you can fix an alternator with a hammer ah. <laughs> simply by striking it. Because it melts, and then it cools off, and you smack it with a hammer, and it fixes it. I'm not exactly sure how or why. So we did that consistently, and then Vern would be like, you can go do it now. And I was like, yes, I'm going to go smack the alternator with a hammer. Um, (laughs) And then eventually we had to repair it, and me and Vern repaired it together. And it was like two bolts and a red and a black wire or whatever it was. It was so simple, but I was so proud of myself. Yeah. Vern was not proud of himself. He's probably done that 50 times at that point yeah. in his life. But so, like, what a good, like, kind of papa thing. Like, I'll show you this, and then I'm going to let you do it. I know. Here's, <laughs> here's the hammer, son. Thanks, Vern. So, anyway, and, and didn't he also, <clears throat> was I, I recall there was also some, we were touring with some very young boys from L.A. who had basically yeah. never driven north of the grapevine or something like that yes <laughs> and and it started snowing and there yes. was total panic <laughs> and they needed and Vern helped them change their wiper blades yes he did <laughs> he did and 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 also have you guys ever tried hummus that's right <laughs> oh god that was a good one <laughs> yeah uh, because you know People who have lived in L.A. their whole lives, they don't know that other people have experienced other that's, things. That's as right. far as they know, like the world begins and ends with the, the city limits of L.A. Well, we showed them. And Unwound showed me at least a few things, and they're still with me. So um, I look forward to seeing these shows in February and March next year. Yeah. Um, over the years, when I hear Corpse Pose, I think that it is such a perfect song that it makes me tear up, uh, and I love it so much. Now it has a, kind of a triple meaning to it. Um, so if we have eye contact during Corpse Pose, don't look at me. Okay. <laughs> I'll wear sunglasses or something. Okay. But uh, that's not the only thing I look forward to, seeing you guys, seeing, you know, hanging. Maybe we'll have hummus. Will you? Oh, Maybe yeah. I can fix your alternator. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. It was great talking to you. Really great talking to you, Joe. Thanks so I much. Ho- I, I, I hope we can spend some actual in-person time together. I do soon. too. Oh, and back yeah. to lessons. I'd like to get oh, a lesson. From me? How do I do that? I do have a website, which is S-A-R-A-L-U-N-D-R-U-M, sarahlundrum.com. Oh, uh, so yeah, so through that website, I have my my pricing and my scheduling and some stuff. So, all right, it was good to talk to you. Good to talk to you too, Joe. Take care of yourself. You too. Bye. Bye. <laughs>